in the blood of Jesus. I said, there's power in the blood of Jesus. Amen. And I tell you what, what, what Pastor Roy, it, it reminds me of a Saturday morning. He started preaching, now I've got to preach back at him, okay? Uh, what, what we have at our fingertips, it says in Ephesians, the power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he ex- ex- exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. That exceedingly great power that raised Christ from the dead, we have at our fingertips. We can use it any time we say in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Christ. So what is the blood? Where did it come from? What is that for? That's the covenant, right? You know, there's three gardens that, that, are, that we talk about. There's the Garden of Eden, and then there's Gethsemane. And then there's the garden tomb. And that's where the resurrection happens, right? That's where we get our power. That's where we, that's what, you know, when, when Christ is in, in Gethsemane and he's praying, and I went through this a, a few months ago, he says, Lord, take this cup from me, not my will but thine. And so, as you know, I'd start studying what's cup mean. And cup is used throughout the Bible as part of God's wrath, blessings, or, or something that, that, that he's going to bless the, the, the country with, or condemnation. And so what Christ is on his knees, and he's praying there in the garden, he's praying because the cup he's carrying is eternal damnation for mankind. What a horrible, horrible cup. And he's saying, Lord, Lord, Lord. But not my will, but yours. And so he he knows he's going to the cross, and I'm, I haven't even got to what I was going to preach tonight. But he knows from the time he was a child what his what his reign on earth is going to be, and why he's going to be here. And I'm reminded of that song uh, at Christmas, "Mary, Did You Know?" Well, if you go back and read Luke, she knew. Gabriel told her. Gabriel told her. This is going to be the Son of God. He's going to bring redemption for man. He's going to bring us back into the garden. Now, it was a garden of Eden. Then it was the garden of Gethsemane where he's praying it out. And then there's the tomb garden where he walks out of the grave. And that's what we have at our fingertips. That's what we should talk about. That's what we should say all the time. That's what we should be living with daily when we should be passing that along to people. And when we pray for people, we pray with power. We pray with, with expectation. We pray when, when, when things happen to us. I say, no, this is not my portion. I do not receive this in the name of Jesus. And guess what? It's not my portion, especially if I know it's an attack, especially if I know it's from the enemy. Well, there's these two guys walking along the street. Actually, it's a, a, probably a dusty, a dusty road. And they say to Jesus, Teacher, we want you to do whatever for us, whatever we ask. This is starting Mark 10. And, of course, it's John and, and, and James. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? 
Of course, we all know what they say. We want us to grant that we would, one would sit at your right hand and one would sit at your, at your left. And Jesus said to him, you don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm getting ready to drink? And they say, and that's a judgment, a wrath, and a blessing, something. They don't know what it is. And they say to him in their, and, I, and I'm, and I'm going to call it their pride and self-promotion, because they think they've learned enough. Now, think about this. They've been walking with, with Jesus for a while now, right? They've, they've seen a lot of things happen. They've seen the miracles. They believe it. They walk it. They believe what's going to happen. We want to do that. And not only are we going to do that, we want to sit at your right hand and at your left hand. So can you, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And they don't know what he's talking about. They think they know, but they don't know. And they said, yeah, we're able And here's what he says to him. So Jesus said to him, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I'm baptized with, you will be baptized. They got what they asked for. And I'm sure they didn't mind. Because John lived a nice long life. But look what he brought to us. The Gospel of John, Revelation. As I've gone through all of that, I, I said, Lord, but to sit at the right and left is not given to them. Who is he giving it to? Who did God give that to? I don't know that yet. I've got to go research that. But as I was getting ready for this, I said, But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to give, for it is for those whom it is prepared. Things have been prepared. There's been a plan from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And God had a plan to bring man back into redemption. And in the meantime, he said, okay, I'm going to give you an outpouring of the Holy Spirit with a blood covenant. Now, we know covenants are in the Old Testament. When you cut covenant with someone, that means you're, you were pledging your family, all of your relatives, to, to a fight to the death with your, with your blood covenant brother. And the way they did it, they cut a calf in half and they, and they made a, a circle, a figure eight through it, and they walked through the blood. They said, we are now more than relatives. We are blood brothers. Well, that's what he brought to us. That's what the covenant was for. When he brought the covenant to us, he said, this is what you shall have. You will have the mind of Christ. You will be able to think and do what I do. Better things will you do because I go to the Father, and I'm going to show you how to do that. And I'm going to wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you. Wait in, in, the, in, the, in the garden. Wait for the day of Pentecost. And what I'm really talking about here tonight is servanthood. When, when he, what he, because he keeps talking to him, he says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, you shall be your, shall be your servant. For who, whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. For even... Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. What he came for was to serve. What he came for was to deliver the covenant in a way that God had intended him to say, I want everybody to be like this guy. I want everybody to be like my son. No pride, no self-promotion. But that's mankind's lot in life, isn't it? Without the Holy Spirit, that's what, that's what we have. So that's what we have to break. And so when we get to that, 
we have to say, well, how did Jesus, where did Jesus learn all of this to be able to teach us? And I'm just going to run through some of these very quickly. Isaiah 50, the servants is Israel's hope. And, you know, and we know this. And, and see if you recognize this verse when I read it to you. Thus says the Lord, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. <laughs> Anybody recognize that one? But if you go on to verse 6, it says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame or spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. I will not be defeated. That's what he's saying. Because he's given me the tongue of the learning. I have something to read here. I have something to follow. I have something. And this book is amazing. And when I need to know where a, where a scripture is, I just call Pastor Goodluck. <laughs> where is this scripture at? And he knows them all. He's memorized the whole Bible. He's my concordance. <laughs> but it's true. The more we read it, the more it becomes internalized. The more it becomes internalized, the more we, we breathe it, live it, see it. We see it come to pass in our children, in our in our, our, our people we work with, our, our wife, our, our, our daughters. And when people come to you and say, hey, will you pray for me? They mean it. They mean Because they know you believe it when you say, yeah, I believe what I preach. I believe when I speak this that it's going to come to pass. Isaiah 52, the sin bearing servant. Behold, my servant shall deal, shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. So shall he sprinkle many nations. This is verse 15. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them they shall see. And what they had not heard they shall consider. This is all where Jesus learned how to be a servant was through Isaiah, the prophet, through Ezekiel, through the Psalms, and through God. He said, I, I, don't, I, don't always, I always say what God tells me to say, and I only do what God tells me to do. I would love to get to that point. We, we had a good uh, Sunday meeting uh, with the uh, uh, small group, and we're talking about the unctions that the Spirit gives us. And as, as we're going through life and we, and we say, well, I think the Holy Spirit told me to go pray for that person, but it's a crowded store, I don't know. And what we get pride, we get pride in the way. We get thinking, well, why would God tell you to go pray for this lady you never even saw before if it wasn't true, if it wasn't something that had to be happened, if it wasn't a God-appointed moment? And if you don't do it, guess what? He's going to use somebody else. I want to be used by that. I want to be used every time. And so when, when God gives us that, that little unction that says, please, Go, call, go talk to this lady. I promise you, every time you do that, all you got to do is walk up and say, hey, I'd like to pray for you. Do you mind? And they'll either say yes or no. And if they say no, you can say, why not? That's an old sales technique. <laughs> but it works. You say, why not? I just, I've had this feeling that, that, you're, that you need something. And pretty soon, they'll come around and they'll say, yes, I need prayer. Something, something, something. And you start praying for them, and their tears are dripping on your hands. That's a God-appointed moment again. 
That's what Jesus wants us to do. That's why he says, go forth into all the world and spread the gospel, right? So in, in, in the, in the 50, uh, 53rd uh, chapter of, of uh, Isaiah, which is the, the suffering servant, I'll need to go through all that. Uh, you know, he was taken from, our, in verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment and declared his generation. He shall see the labor, this is verse 11, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now, if, you don't, if you're familiar with 53, that's the suffering servant chapter, pierced for our transgressions, took everything to the cross. But listen to that. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. That's you and me. He will justify all of us who walk up and say, there's power in the blood. That song just hit me so hard tonight. There's so much power in the blood. For he shall bear their iniquities. We don't have to worry about that. We don't, we can, once we turn it over, don't pick it back up. Don't pick it back up. In Isaiah 42, again, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elected one, in whom my soul delights. Isaiah 49, and now the Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be his servant? When Gabriel went to Mary and said, I'm Gabriel and I stand before the holy living God and I tell you now, you will become a child and you will, you'll name him Jesus and he will become a mighty counselor. And he goes to Zacharias, says the same thing, and uh Zacharias kind of doubts. He says, nah, how's this going to happen? And you know what's really cool about a Gabriel, an angel like that, is he went to his full height, which was probably a pretty good size, and said, I am Gabriel, and I stand before the holy living God, and I tell you right now, you will shut your mouth till this is done. What we speak is so important. What we speak is super important. When we have something happen to us, and we, and we have financial, medical personal, speak the promise that God gave us. Speak the word of God because there is power in the blood. To speak that, speak it out over yourself, speak it over your children, over your finances, over everything that you've got. Because when we speak that, we speak it into existence. A lot of people don't understand that, and they don't realize that when you speak something into existence, you can speak negative into existence as well. And you can speak sickness into existence as well. Well, doctor says I have whatever it is. And we go around telling people this this is what I have, not this is what the doctor said. Now, I really enjoy a diagnosis from the doctor when people tell me that because now I know what to break. Now I know what to pray. Now I know how to say, okay, good. That the educated man of medicine was able to identify this thing in your body in the name of Jesus is broken. And now, you know, God designed our bodies to grow back. You ever notice that? Otherwise, I'd have a bunch of open cuts all over me. (laughs) But he designed our bodies to grow back. It's an amazing thing if you think about it. You can cut yourself and it, it wasn't just us. 
All creation is designed the same way. You ever seen a tree that's been, been damaged? It grew back. Plants grow back. It's the way creation was designed, and that's why it says in Romans, all creation is, is waiting in exasperation for us to take our rightful place. They're waiting because it's subject to decay, which started way back in the garden. Seems like I'm hung up in gardens tonight. Didn't mean to get there, but that's where we're at. Because there's so much, there's so much there, so much that, that, that we think we know. And, pa- and Pastor Roy and I talk about that all the time. The, the more learned I get, the behinder I get. You know, but the more you know, the more you don't know what you know. Does that make sense? Joy, you know what <laughs> She's shaking her head, yeah. The more we study, the more we learn, the more we get enlightened, the more we pray, the more we fast. And this has been a great week of fasting. Uh, there's been a lot of enlightenment. There's been a lot of confusion. There's been a lot of letting go of confusion. There's been a lot of knowledge. And there's always been the power of the blood. That's just really ringing in my heart tonight. The power of Jesus. To say in the word Jesus. Say in the power of the blood. Well, when we want to become a servant, what's the nature of a servant? Well, in, in John 13, one of my favorite examples of that, it's right before the Feast of Passover. He, they've already had the supper. And after supper ended, the devil already having been put into the heart of Jesus, or Ju, Ju, Judas, I'm sorry. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to his hand, he'd come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garments. And after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel. And he came to Simon Peter. <laughs> Peter said to him, Lord, you're washing my feet? And he goes, yeah. I'm what I'm doing, you don't understand. But I'm trying to teach you something, so be quiet. <laughs> he didn't say that. That's my interpretation. What I'm, what I'm doing, you do not understand. But you will know after this. Say it again. What I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And, and Pastor Roy and I have talked about this. Experience is that thing you get right after you needed it. <laughs> so the next time you run into that situation, oh, I know what to do now. This is what he's doing. This is what Jesus is doing here. And Peter, of course, in his pride, in his self-promotion, says, you shall never wash my feet. And he said, then you, don't, then you don't have anything in me. I don't have anything in you. So it's in my head and my hands, too. You know, he said, wash all of me. He said, okay, no, sit down. You're okay. <laughs> and Peter was just being simple about it. Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but be completely clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down, he said to him, and I love that question, do you know what I've done to you? Yeah, you washed my feet. No, that's not it. Do you know what I've done to you? That's what he says. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. And now I'm sure Peter's sitting there going, I ain't washing everybody's feet. Come on. <laughs> so he hadn't got it yet. He doesn't understand why he has to wash somebody else's feet. But here's what he says in verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, does he mean we're supposed to wash each other's feet every Sunday? No. No. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent him greater than... Let me say it again. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. 17. Listen to this. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay, start over again now. He did what? He washed their feet. He was just—he was showing them something. If you think about it, in those days when you're walking down dusty streets and all you're wearing is sandals and there's camels and donkeys in the same street, you're probably getting pretty dirty feet along the way, right? And so to wash someone's feet is probably the, the most base thing that you can do is to get down on your knees and wash somebody's dirty feet and it's serving them serving them. He's, and he, what, he's, what he's teaching them is how to be a, an accomplished servant. It doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, the, and he talks about the Pharisees all the time when, when, he, when he's giving examples of what, what we can and can't do. But he never tells the Pharisees, you need to go wash everybody's feet. He's telling this to the disciples. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's important. We do know these things. We've read that chapter a couple hundred times. I don't know. Some of us once a year through the Bible. But, we, but do we stop and look at what, what is he saying to us? What does servanthood accomplish in us as Christians? Why does he and, he, and he talks about, not just in what I'm talking about, he talks about servanthood many, many times, and there's very, very, very many parables. No man can serve two masters. We can't be prideful, and we can't be so humble either, right? That's what he's talking about. It brings order to the church. One of my favorite stories, we had a, a, a Pastor Al, I wish he was here because I could make fun of him, but he, he he's one of I love my brother. He was... Uh, Something had happened in the women's restroom. I can't remember what it was, but one of the, one of the facilities was clogged. And so he went and got the, the tools, and he was in there working on it. And a, la- a visitor, a lady, comes walking up to the bathroom, and so, somebody who knew Pastor Al, he comes walking out with a bucket and a mop and a plunger. She goes, Pastor Al, what are you doing? And the lady, the visitor, said, that's the pastor? This is my church. <laughs> Just something simple like that. Something simple like that. Not to be too proud to do what we have to do in this church. And I've said it at the men's breakfast. You know, we, we talk about giving our time, our talents, and our treasures. And our time is pretty short sometimes. If you're working hard, you've got kids, grandkids. Our treasures, yeah, we tithe. How about our talents? Think about it. If, if everybody were to just give 10% of their talents to the church, plumbing, electricity, IT, IT stuff, uh, whatever it is, maintenance, accounting, if everybody just gave 10% of their talent, we'd never have to hire outside help. Right? If everybody just gave 10% of their time, we wouldn't have to hire outside help for anything. And, and everybody would be looking, looking for something to do. Can I, work? Can, I, can I do the maintenance? No, they already did it. Isn't that good? And treasures. Of course, we all do the treasures. 
But that doesn't cover it all, guys. Now, what's the benefit of doing that? You become a servant. You get to serve the church. It's not, and it's to put order in the church, but also help perform the Great Commission. In the middle of that, you get to preach to each other. Isn't that cool? It completes us as believers. It really does. As, it, as, we, as we let go of us and we start spreading us in the church, it completes us as a believer. Now we're part of the church. We're not just attending. People are looking at us and saying, okay, wow, things really happen here. I mean, you know, when you get, up, you get in here on Sunday and everything just flows really smooth, there's people behind the scenes doing a lot of stuff, especially on a communion Sunday. <laughs> They're back there in the kitchen <laughs> filling up all the little, little cups. But, you know, it, it, it seems to a person who's just walking into the church that is, that is just flowing really nice. Boy, they really got this down, don't they? It's because of the servants in the church. It's because of the servants in the church. Five after eight, my goodness. It helps build your testimony. And you're working in the church. You're working now. Being a servant doesn't mean you just do it here. Being a servant means you go to jail. Being a servant means you go to the old folks' home. You walk the streets of Calvert. You do the outreaches. That's part of building. That's being a servant. What we did with the with the uh, trunk or treat. You know how many people showed up for that? Thousands, thousands. And we could minister to that many people by just putting some candy and some stuff out on the trunks. That's pretty cool. How many people we can draw into that? But that's what we're supposed to do, and that that serves the entire church body. That's what that's what Jesus is. Now all of that means. We were washing feet, right? And all that means is there's power in the blood, and it was there, and it was it was evident in us. And people can see that, and they hear it, and they understand it, and they say, I want to be like that. I want to be like that church. That's what draws people in. That's what they tell you what else happens. The, the power of the holy living God falls, just like it did in the service tonight. Everybody felt that, didn't you? When they're singing, there's power in the blood. Oh, my goodness. Well, Jesus shows us many examples, being a servant, prayer, healing, fruits of the Spirit. Here's a secret I found out. The written word in the Gospels is a training manual to train us. And Jesus was the original rabbi. Think about it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A lot of parables, a lot of stories. And I've just finished doing, going through the book of Luke, parable by parable, just to understand the backstory. I say the backstory, for instance, the prodigal son, what about the son who stayed home? Well, it's his blessing. He got everything the father had. Everything the father had. But with all those parables from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Every situation you can ever encounter in the world is going to be in the book. But you've got to read the instruction manual. You've got to read the training manual. Those of you who have been in the military, you know that they have a training manual for training manuals. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> they have a training manual on how to write the training manual. It's crazy. But they do that on purpose because that way everybody's talking the same language. They're walking the same walk. They're talking and doing the same thing. 
That's why they call us soldiers, airmen, whatever. So when that written word and the, and, and the gospels are, are, are disseminated throughout the world, I can, call, I can talk to a Christian in Germany and we're talking about the exact same thing. Isn't that cool? We're talking about the exact, a, a born-again child of God who's spirit-filled. We're talking about the same power of Christ. Different language, but we're talking about the same thing. That's what the intent was for the, all, of the, all the training. All the training was for us to take it, read it, not just read it one, you know, once a year on, on Christmas Eve. Understand it, live it, pray on it, meditate on it. What does being a servant really mean? What does it mean to be, be a preacher? What does it mean to be, well, it just means you talk about the gospel a lot. It means you share your heart on what God's done for you. And the journey that we make I, I have my journey, my testimony. You have your journey. You have your journey. You have your testimony. I don't have yours. I tell this to the guys in the prison all the time. You've got to get your testimony out to the hood. You've got to get your story out there. You're a born-again child of God. You're spirit-filled now. Get out there and tell the guys in the hood what's going on, what's, how they're going to end up in here. Even when we're walking the streets of Calvert, we do that. We're talking about it. Remember Miss Ed, Letty? Old lady up there. I don't know she, how old was she, about 150? <laughs> I loved, she lived in the housing area. And we knock on the door. Come in! What, should we go in? I don't know. <laughs> but she couldn't walk very well, so she would just yell, come in. So we go and sit. So you could sit on her couch, and there's this big hump in the middle of the couch, but you could sit on each side. And we would pray with her, and she would just cry and cry and join in and pray. And it was just a fun time to go see her. And so one time we were there, and she, uh, she threw the blanket back, and it was a Bible like this, but it had been read so much that it wouldn't shut. I don't know how old it was, but it was, it was old. And so in my... I guess, in, I don't know, we've been going up there a few weeks, a few months, and they, they decided to tear down all the crack houses. Remember that? Arrested a bunch of crack dealers. And so one Saturday morning, I was thanking God for answering my prayers. And he said, I was answering Miss Letty's prayers. You're just there. <laughs> She's been praying that for 50 years. You're, the, you're just the, the fruit of coming through. I said, very humbling to do that, right? And, and so, so someone like Miss Letty was, was who God was using to get us sparked. Isn't that fun? Same gospel. Same thing that we read, same thing. It's, it's eternal. It's so good. So, Philippians 2. Therefore, if there are any consolation in Christ, if any comfort in love... If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, there's a lot of ifs, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So he's talking about how we're supposed to be as Christians. We're not supposed to be arguing and gossiping. We're supposed to be in one accord and and working in lockstep and doing what we're supposed to do. That's what we do when, when someone is hurting. 
when the single women of the church need something, we're supposed to step up and do that. And we do that. When someone needs some work done, we, we okay, tell us what you need to have done. If, someone, if, if one of the guys says, hey, can you help me with my car? Sure. You know how to work on a car? Nope. <laughs> but I'll help. I'll hold the wrench while you do it. You know, but that's how, that's how we're supposed to. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. You know, and I'm sure we've all, if you've been in other churches, the fellow or the lady who wants to tell you very quickly that, you know, I'm on the board of directors, and I have been going to this church for 27 years, and I, I am the head usher, and I've been that forever and ever, and you should respect me. They don't say it that way, <laughs> but that's what they're doing. And, you know, they lost it. They don't understand what they lost. They, they, and, and I don't think they're ever going to understand it. So if, you, if each of us look after our own interests, we forget to look at the interests of others, don't we? So what are the qualities of a servant? Well, as I said up, up front, nobody can serve two masters. You either, you either hate one and love the other, or else you'd be loyal to the one and despise the other, right? You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, Jesus said that. He understood that so well that he said it about 25 times in the Gospels. 25 times. I went and looked it up. In Psalm 23, it says, Unto you I lift my eyes, O ye who dwell in the heavens. When we pray, and that's the next part of this, the servant songs, and when we, when we, when we start looking at the Gospels and we start looking and saying, Okay, I want to be a servant. I want to learn how to do this. Then we take it to him in prayer and meditation. And then we put it into action. And then we say, there's power in the blood. How am I going to use it? Show me, Lord. Show me how to do this. And nothing happens. And then you're walking through Kroger's, and there's a lady standing there crying. And you go over and you pray with her. And she cries, and she says, thank you. I didn't know what else to do. There's power in the blood right there. That's, that's being a servant. When I see those big old guys in the prison and, they, and, they're, and they've given their life to Christ and, they, and they, they always turn their back to the rest of the inmates. There might be 10 or 15 people in there. And I start praying. If, and I, always, <laughs> I always ask them, do you ever hear anybody pray in tongues? And they said, no. So you're getting ready to. <laughs> I put my hand on their chest and I start praying for them. And the, most of them will start praying in tongues with me. But they start crying and their their tears are dripping on your on your hands. You've had that happen. It makes me cry too. It makes me cry right now <clears throat> because there's such a, a intimacy that happens there. That's what God's talking about. That's what He wants us to do when He says there's power in the blood. When we touch someone on, and, and say there is power. At my fingertips, and people go, wow, your hand is really hot. I said, that's coming from you, man. That's anointing from God for you. That's what we're supposed to do. Wherever we go, not just on Sunday morning. Wherever we go, not just on Sunday morning. People at my job for the first week knew that I have a jail ministry. I'm a preacher. I do. <laughs> I made sure everybody knew. And one of the ladies comes to him and said, my son was just diagnosed with aplastic anemia. What should we do? I said, we're going to pray. And we shut the door and we prayed together. She's gone back to church. Her son is getting better. He's got, it, 
All that's happening because we prayed. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit and God's power when we release it, right? And I've had a few medical issues myself, and people just, are you okay? Yeah, it's just a heart attack. Don't worry about it. I wasn't too worried about it. I really wasn't. It's, it's what we're supposed to do. It's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to be confident enough in the word that we've read that with incomparably great power that raised Christ from the dead, we're blessed with that. That's what the covenant was for, right? So when we start talking about the covenant, and I have the blood covenant, and we take communion almost every, every morning, sometimes we do, but when I know that I have that blood covenant in me, I know it's operating. There is no doubt in my mind that when we pray, something's going to happen. No doubt in my mind. Having that kind of confidence in God comes from praying for a couple thousand hours and meditating on the Word, talking to God, listening to what His promises are, understanding what that means when we say, I lift up my wife like Christ lifted up the church. And I do. What does that mean? It means she's comforted. She understands that. She knows that. I'm not bragging about it. That's that's written in the Word. Everything I'm talking about, Jesus said it or Paul wrote about it. You know how Paul wrote about it? The Holy Spirit told him. Tell him him to do this thing. There's a natural and understandable hesitancy. When we talk about you know service and, and well you know I don't know if I have enough time yeah you do we all have 24 hours and time was invented by man by the way not by God so that we all have the same time now how we use it is our choice and and Kathy used to say to me and she still does once in a while when she tell me to do something or I and. And I'd say, oh, I forgot about it. She goes, well, it just wasn't that important to you, was it? <sighs> no, I just forgot. Come on. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, you know, priority-wise, it wasn't important to me. And it's true. So what? make it a priority to become a servant. Make it a priority to understand the training manual. Read this like it's going to be an instruction for what you're going to do this year. Because it is. This is what we're going to do this year. This is how we're going to, this is going to be one of the most spirit-filled years this church has ever seen. Right? We've already seen it happen every Sunday, every Sunday. True service is indiscriminate in its ministry. It has heard the command of Jesus. Right? The command of Jesus. It's a very simple command. When he said, go forth into all the world and preach the gospel. When he said, lay your hands on people and they will be healed. Cast out demons in my name, they will be cast out. I've seen all that happen. If you get a chance, go on a mission trip. Go to another country. When you come back to this country, you will fall down on the ground and kiss the ground. We are a blessed country. 
God has blessed us so much. Let's, let's not waste the blessing. Let's take it, use it. We have the power at our fingertips, guys. It's time for us to do that. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I just thank you that as we go through this year, that we're going to have more evidence of the power of the Holy Living God manifest itself in this place. We're going to see healing physically, emotionally, financially. This is a family of God. And we love you. We just raise you up. We say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. In your name we pray. Amen.